Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast, Season 2, Episode 19, Bruins Seeing Stars with Maddie and Smitty, brought to you on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network, InsideTheRink.com. Here's your one-stop shop for all your NHL and PHF news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink and download the Inside the Rink app. To get everything on the website, right on your phone, and Smitty will tell you how you can sign up for ESPN+. Yeah, you should watch the Bruins on ESPN Plus by signing up on the InsideTheRink.com website. Go to InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN. I have ESPN Plus, and I love all the out-of-market hockey games, college hockey, soccer, college basketball, and much, much more. So if you want to watch all those sports and, you know, lawn darts and cornhole and shit like that, then sign up for ESPN plus at inside the rink.com slash ESPN. I'm sure you'll get the pickleball championship. Oh yeah. Once that gets going. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lot of people into that right now. Um, Yeah. So, Hey, wanted to ask you, did you watch any of the NHL all-star festivities? Uh, I watched very, very briefly, um, for, for a few minutes and it really has just become a sideshow. It is just, it's not worth anyone's time. The game itself actually not bad, but they, they really need to figure out something with the, uh, with all the competitions and stuff like that. It's just, uh, it's gone over the top. It's jumped the shark. All those cliches. It's it's a waste of time. It's a waste yeah, of time. I, I I didn't watch a nanosecond of it. Not a second of it. And uh, but on Twitter, I just kept seeing people talking and ripping it to shreds. Mm-hmm. And the bouncing back and forth, I guess, from you know just from one competition to another without really finishing one to go to another. It just seemed like it was just a hodgepodge of crap in there. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think it was really managed very well. I don't think they had really a a plan or direction for it. Um, They need to come up with another format or, and uh, I'll, I'll say this and and I've said it before outlaw all the all-star games and just give the guys a break, name them to the team and then send them on vacation. And and there you have it. You, you I mean, I'm sure it's a money maker. They sell jerseys and all that crap. So they're never going to truly get rid of it. But, uh, you know, they need to figure something else out. And, and my suggestion would be name them to the teams and then send them on vacation. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't think anybody. I mean, it's not like it used to be where you could see other players from other teams you never saw. Right. And plus, you have all these options now. I mean, it used to be network TV. It was on network TV. That's all you really watched. So that's, you know, and it was fun to have your, you know, the whatever league on network TV at night with all the, all the superstars. Not, now no one really cares. You know, I mean, you see everybody all the time on highlights and social media and everywhere. So it doesn't really, it just lost its luster. And the players don't want to play. The NFL's using this flag football thing that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand what you know just I'm, I'm with you just just get rid of it and just and just have an all pro type of list if you need to you know pay out the incentives and all that fine but i don't i don't i don't think you should have anything anything like that and, and if you and if you need to the skills competition stinks so if you really need to do the three-on-three thing then i guess fine you know do it outdoors 
somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, add, add some novelty to it. But, uh, but the whole skills competition thing, I wasn't ever really big on any of that stuff. It's an individual thing. It doesn't really matter to me. So um, I'm with you. I think we should just just can it all. Here's what really bothers me. Here's what really bothers me about the whole thing, though. And it, it's naming people to the All-Star game. This really yeah. crawls up my ass because okay. people, you know, first of all, they have the every team has to have a representative rule, which absolutely stinks. Like you're, yeah. just because you're on a team doesn't mean you're an all-star. You could have a team full of shitty players mm-hmm. and those all-star nominations or all-star appearances or whatever, those go towards a guy's resume when they get nominated for the hall of fame or certain they award do. things. So br- because Brad Marchand doesn't make it a few times because you know, the league, the, you know, the division can't have enough all-star representatives and they're sending Drake fucking Batherson or some right. other clown. Scott Cooper goes twice for the Red Sox when he hit 280. Like, it's right. a joke. Yeah, he, it is. Those things it. affect yeah, yeah. guys' Hall of Fame chances. Was, mm-hmm. You know, because 10 years from now, no one's going to remember, oh, you know, Drake Batherson went, even though Martian was a point-of-game player and deserved to be there. He was fifth in the league in scoring last year and didn't go to the fucking all-star game. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have things like this where it's like... What are we doing? It, it, it's, you know, a, a guy's going to be, you know, up for induction into the Hall of Fame. And you say, oh, he was only an all-star twice. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That, that's where it really, that's where it really matters. You're right. And of course, in the NFL, they have the all-pro. So right. they kind of look at that more yeah. than Pro Bowl. But not in these other leagues. Like in the NHL, like, you're right. I mean, how many times has Marshall been once or twice or whatever? Yeah, he's, I think he's been you know, twice kind of ludicrous i mean it's you know it, yeah and you're you're ag- you're absolutely right and that's where it's i i say have the give the players complete ownership of the whole thing you know have them they know you know players and coaches they know who the best players for that particular year are and then pick all the teams and then at least there's some ownership there and they can have fun with it and i think they'll be a little more into it if they did that having the having the fans do it is just it's just stupid i mean i just i you know then it's a popularity contest then it's yeah everybody in columbus stuffing the ballots and all that and you know people in boston really don't care about that stuff you know no. they, the all-star ballot and all that stuff they don't care about that they just want their team to win but all these yahoo places that really aren't great you know loyal fan bases and really don't you know just kind of love the novelty of hockey they'll still stuff the ballots it's something to do it's something fun so i just think it's it's totally skewed in that way. And I'm, I'm with you. I just, you know, I just either can it or just put it all on the coaches and players to decide it. And then at least people have, like you said, a resume put together of, you know, where, you know, how many all-star games they have. And then when it comes down to all-star uh, hall of fame inductions, you know, I would like to, I, I haven't seen it, but maybe someone like Alexander Mogilny, how many all-star games is he playing? I don't know. So if he, you know, that's a guy, if he missed a few because the play, you know, the fans didn't vote him in, I just think it's silly. So let's, let's just be done with it. It's, it's stupid. And it was something that 40 years ago was a thing because there's far less things to do back then. So let's just can it. Um, all right. We can review time and the Bruins back in action after taking 10 days off for the all-star break. And they get back at it at home on February 11th against the Washington Capitals and they lose it two to one. They looked rusty out after the long layoff. The officiating 
was just borderline dreadful. And this one is incredibly inconsistent. Uh, they called what seemed like 100 penalties within two minutes of the first period, uh, looking like they were just trying to get into the game after the long life. They were dying to, to commit penalty. Oh, my God. Penalties. Um, and then basically let them play after that. But then Taylor Hall gets hit from behind a dangerous distance from the boards with no call. Power play still needs some work there. Uh, I guess you could chalk it up to being rusty, although the Bruins kind of limped into the break as well. Uh, and in the first game back, they lose it and uh, have to move on. Yeah, I, it, they just looked rusty. They looked uh, slow. Um, they looked like they had had a 10-day layoff. They looked like they may have still been on vacation, some of the guys. Mm. Um, it, you know, they just weren't sharp. Um, and it's to be expected. Uh, hockey is a game where you need to get into a rhythm. You need to play at game speed. Uh, and and if, you, if you're missing out on that, it, it does show up, you know, when you play. So, um, you know, rust, bounce back, uh, hopefully, and then and, and move on. Yeah, and they, they've hit this stretch here with kind of back-to-back-to-back teams that are really good. Yeah. So that's the other thing. I mean, you're playing really good teams gunning for you, uh, just behind you in the standings. Like, that's a kind of a murderer's row of uh, teams there heading into the break and now after it. Uh, and then on February 14th at Dallas, uh, one of the really hot teams in the West, and they win it 3-2 to two in overtime. I really thought the Bruins played – really really well in this game like i thought they were back to playing the way they had for much of the first half like they they were carrying play they were forechecking they had their skating legs like they were really putting pressure and Ottinger is an excellent goalie he he kept dallas in it with some unbelievable saves yeah um and it was literally the bruins giving up two goals on two defensive breakdowns yeah like the only two defensive breakdowns they had uh, and the puck went in the wet in the net, but great first. Uh, only get the one goal from Hall. Good to see him get a goal. Uh, could have easily had three or four there. Stars tilt the ice in the second, score a couple, and then take a two to one lead in the third. Bruins tie it on a great play by Carlo, and he feeds Zaka for the snipe, <clears throat> Marchand penalty in overtime. But the Bruins were able to kill it. Great work from Coyle and Forboard, especially. Uh, Bruins win it with Zaka starting a rush from his own end. And then it was McAvoy finding Poster across the way with a great cross-ice pass for the one-timer. And that was the ball game. Bruins get dominated at the dot, but somehow find a way. Pablo Zaka was terrific, especially in the third and OT. Uh, and Linus Allmark was tremendous down the stretch in this one. He gave up a couple of leaky-ish goals, but in the, as the game went on, got stronger. It was a big win against the best team in the West to start the siblings road trip. Yes. The siblings are out there uh, for the team, which is, which is a nice little twist on, you know, they've had the, you know, the mom's trip and the dad's trip in, in previous years. So this is a nice little twist on that. It's good to see, you know, so many of the Bruins, you know, siblings out for that one. And, and they went nuts when, when Zaka scored yeah. and then, and then when Pasenak scored, uh, you know, great shot of the, uh, of the Bruins box there in, in Dallas. Uh, so that was really cool. And, uh, you know, a couple milestones for the Bruins in this one. Jim Montgomery picks up his 100th career victory, uh, his 40th with the Bruins. And then the Bruins tie the record for the fewest games to 40 wins in NHL history. Only took mm. them 53 games to get to 40 wins, and that's tied with the 15-16 Washington Capitals. So uh, pretty impressive wow. win against a really good team uh, and, a, and a nice way to start off that road trip, showing a little resiliency, getting down, and then battling back for the win. 
Absolutely. And you mentioned the siblings, the siblings road trip. I, I was seeing some of the photos and, and stuff on Instagram and such. And I'm telling you right now, I think my favorite was Charlie McAvoy's sister. I mean, yeah. She was like kind of a cutie pie. Yeah. It was, it was really nice. So it's good that they have the siblings there uh, on the trip. Seven chirps time sponsored by lobster brewing lobster brewing and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers open seven days a week. Use the coupon code sports to get 10% off your online order go to lobs brewing uh on uh lobsbrewing.com and, uh, on the website to order and also uh lobs brewing at lobs brewing on social media for new beers and events and trip number one swayman with the start in the first game coming back from the all-star break was that kind of strange to you it did seem weird to me i i fully expected it to be to be Allmark in that one, but maybe they were saving Allmark for the Dallas game, knowing that that was going to be a big game to start the to start the trip. So that that's mm-hmm. my only rationale behind it, unless mm-hmm. you know Allmark was maybe nursing something, or they wanted you know Swayman was playing good before the break, so maybe they wanted to get him right back in there. I don't know. It it was it did seem like a little bit of an odd decision to me though. Maybe Allmark because he was in the All Star. Oh yeah, that's that could, that could maybe, be that maybe could be an too. extra break. Yeah. I guess, but it was, and you know, and you know, look, they only lost two to one. I'm not going to put it all on Swayman, but you know, he, you know, it, it, I just thought it was sort of strange not to play your number one goalie to start the uh, start the thing. But I guess that's probably what uh, the rationale was. Chirp number two: How much do the Bruins miss Jake DeBrusque? Uh Hugely, hugely, and who would have thought? Uh, last year or, you know, the year before that, you would say the Bruins, you know, really can't, really can't live without Jake DeBrusque in the lineup. You would have said you were crazy, uh, mm-hmm. but they do miss him. They miss him tremendously. They miss him on the power play. They miss him in the fact that someone else is skating on that top line, whether it's Craig Smith, Charlie Coyle was doing it last night a little bit uh, in the, in the stars game. I mean, they were kind of moving things around there. Um, Pasternak obviously has been up there, but that shifts guys all up and down the lineup and uh, you know, you lose a little bit of continuity. So I would like to see it with DeBrus back in the lineup and that way Hall can go back down to the third line where I think he's more productive with Coyle and or Felino and Frederick, uh, I guess going to be Felino with Frederick centering the fourth nine with with yeah. Nosek out. But um, yeah, I, I just feel like that's the best um, way for the Bruins to deploy their lines, and and it gives Hall a better matchup where he can really uh, drive the play and dominate against you know lesser defensemen. Yeah, interesting foreshadowing coming up because one of our chirps talks about Taylor Hall and where he should play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think they do miss DeBrusk in that, you know, I, and I think Marchand and, and Bergeron miss him. Uh, and Marchand's not scored in what four or five games now, um, so I think they do. And, and I'm so, and I'm sort of surprised at how much they do. Um, but, you know, DeBrusque has been really good for, you know, second half of last season and then the beginning mm-hmm. of this season, like, really good. Like, and he's he's, he's a one guy, um, just a few, you know, a couple, like him and Hall, really, that provide that really good speed, you know, to, you know, to really put some pressure on the defense. And once you take state, start taking some of that speed away, then then it, the Bruins really kind of struggle against some of these faster teams. So, I think, yeah, I think DeBrusque is a big loss, and it is funny how thing, time, things have changed. And I'm glad he's he's you know he's turned into a really good NHL player, uh, and he's on a great contract, so that's great too. Um, all right, chirp number three. Eastern Conference has six teams with better than seventy points. The West has just one, 
Uh, the East more hot and top heavy, or is the West more balanced, or is the Eastern Conference just that much better? Ooh, that's a little bit of a tough one. I am. I think honestly, I think the Eastern Conference is just that much better. Like the Eastern Conference is loaded, uh, yeah. and and the West has good teams, and and I think you know it is more balanced there. But I think the East does have um, better teams. So I would say the East is maybe top heavy, uh, and the West is balanced. But uh, yeah, the East the East is is better for sure. Yeah, it, it helps that Colorado has been injured, you mm-hmm. know, banged up, yeah. you know, so not, not quite as good. You know, Minnesota has been up and down when I thought they'd be really good, um, not not quite as good at times. Um, and then you have that Edmonton, Calgary, you know, that Pacific Division, Kings. I mean, everybody seems to be pretty good, but not super great. And I think you really have four or five Eastern Conference teams at least that are really good, like really, really good. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's where they dominate the West there. And it's going to make for just an unbelievable postseason in the Eastern conference for sure. And, and in the West, because the West will have a lot of parity if, you know, if Colorado is still, you know, banged up and not quite as good. Um, all right. Chirp four. Is it time to put Hall back with Krejci? Last night he scored, but prior to that 21 games, he was at two goals, four assists for six points. Um, so he was lacking some production. I think he's been playing okay, but I really can, I, 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 I agree with you on him being on the third line really creates a bad matchup for teams, but I also want him to be with a playmaking center. So I don't know what the drop, I mean, I don't know if, you know, what's more important or what, you know, it's kind of a, you know, I don't know, six, six and one half dozen the other, I guess. But I, I, I think that him with Krejci and Pasternak, I still, you can, I don't know. I still think you kind of go with that. I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult call, uh, especially since Zaka has been playing so well as well mm. as, uh, you know, of late also. So, you know, it, it creates kind of a, you know, a competition among the players of who's going to be, in that top six. Uh, and that's not a bad thing to have. You know, if you have a bunch of guys going, you can, you can go with the hot hand. You can go with who's better on a particular night. Um, and that's the depth that the Bruins have that they need to take advantage of. I think Hall honestly is better off on the third line. I think he wants the puck on his stick, uh, more. So I think having, um, having that ability to generate zone entries where I think, you know, if he was on the same line as Krejci, Krejci is really the one who wants the puck on his stick. So that's a little bit of a different, uh, you know, a different animal. Uh, Hall has some more speed. Krejci likes to slow things down. I think Hall's at his best when he's when he's uh, using his speed to to generate zone entries and so forth. So I think he's probably better off as a third liner driving that entire line's play rather than being, you know, not necessarily a passenger on the second line, but um, having having Pasternak and Krejci kind of drive the play more, and he kind of uh, picks up the scraps there. Uh, so you know that's what I would like to see him on the third line. But you, you know you really can't go wrong with any kind of combination. Um, you know with him and and Zaka and Pasternak and Krejci. You know in that mix. You know I I've changed my mind on this. I really would like to see the Bruins get a quality third line forward. And 
and if that involves a package with Frederick and something, then I would contemplate doing that. I don't love Frederick as a center. Like I just don't yeah. like it's, He's back playing fourth line center. I don't love it. Like it, he was at his best third line winger mm-hmm. with Coyle and whoever, Hall, whoever, Zaka. Um, he was his best there. I just don't think he's a great center. Like I just don't. I don't think he's a good enough skater. I don't think he's great enough in his own end. I don't I just don't he's not as great enough a face off guy for sure. Like he's not as good as No Sick or Bergeron or Coyle and the Dot and Krejci, any of those guys. So I don't know. I just, I just kind of want, and Smith isn't the guy. So I, I would really like a little bit of an upgrade there on the bottom six, like a veteran forward, just like a, you know, a guy that can just play with say Coyle and Zaka. Um, that's, that's kind of what I'd like them to do. Um, you know, at the deadline, but uh, I just, I just have reservations about Frederick as fourth line center and no six been hurt and still hurt. So I don't know. And even before he was hurt, you know, I think he could be upgraded there anyway. So I, I think that a little, a little tweaking down the bottom six would be good for me. I don't know. Um, all right. Trip five. Are the Bruins waiting for a move to be made or is it just the dog days of the season? They seem a little off lately. Yeah, they do seem a little off lately. And I don't know if that's competition or if that's the size of the lead they generated, that it is the dog days of the season, um, or if they are waiting for, um, you know, a move to be made, waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, guys tend to be a little bit on edge when that happens. And and you, you know, you get some guys who maybe are gripping the stick a little too tight or wondering if they are going to be around or not around. So I think that stuff. Uh, can create a little bit of issues and, you know, you know, pucks, when that happens, pucks start to jump over sticks. So you're not scoring as well. You're not playing as freely as you usually would, you know, thinking about, well, I could be moved, uh, you know, guys hearing their names and trade rumors. Um, So you wonder if that's uh, an issue um, and if, you know, they'll start to kind of um, rebound or, or, get all back together when uh, either a move is made or uh, once the trade deadline passes. I think that the, the, I think it's the number one thing. I think think the competition is getting a little stiffer. Like they hit a, they hit a a patch here of schedule. That's really difficult. Uh, A lot of it was on the road. They played a lot of, seemed to play a lot of home games early. Dominate, obviously dominated at home. Um, And then they hit this patch of like Florida, Carolina, Toronto, like, Tampa Bay, now Dallas, Washington, like they hit a lot of really good teams in a row. So I think that's part of it too. Uh, they lost to Brusque. They lost no sick, you know, get a little banged up here and there. Um, that's probably part of it too. They lost a lot of close games. Um, do you have any concerns about, uh, I keep going, I don't know. I keep, every time I hear anything from Jim Montgomery about, what he's doing with the team and so forth. He, he seems to be really reliant on, yeah, we're just, we're just relying on the guys in the room, guys in the room, guys in the room. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on possibly or any concerns that when the, when the shit hits the fan, like how will he be able to make proper adjustments to the things that need to be done? Is it too much reliance on the veteran leadership? Um, We've talked about this a little bit. I don't think it's too much reliance on the veteran leadership. I think he 
is kind of leaning on them for sure. Um, but I think when he needs to say something, when something needs to be addressed, I think he does that. Um, but he's, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know if he's a screamer or a yeller. It doesn't strike me as such. He strikes mm-hmm. me as a guy who will get his point across, and and but he's not going to be throwing things around the locker room and so forth. Um, right. But it, it he does you know, lean on the veteran leadership, you know, that you saw in the behind the B Nick Foligno got up and talked to the group between the second and third periods. Um, mm. You know, obviously Bergeron's going to do that. Marchand's going to do that. You know, McAvoy's going to do that. Um, so I feel like, he, and, and to me, the best teams are the ones where the leadership of the team holds the people to standards and, uh, are the ones that kind of set the tone for the culture. You can't have, uh, a coach or a manager being the one that says, Hey, we got to do this guys. You know, eventually that message is going to fall on deaf ears. You know, mm-hmm. you can't be the one that holds everyone accountable. The leadership of the team needs to be the ones that hold the entire team accountable. You know, Bergeron and Marchand are working towards a standard. Um, you know, they're going to bring everybody with them because they don't want to be the ones to disappoint those guys. Or if they're working hard, you know, the Bergerons and the Martians and the McAvoys are working hard. You know, that has to mean that the, the guys that are on the third and fourth line or the AHL guys, when they come up, they have to work equally as hard because, you know, that's the level that's been set by that leadership group. So I think uh, overall, he definitely leans on those guys and with good reason, because I think when you're a really good team, you know, that's the, that's the people that the leadership of the team, the captains of the team are the ones that, that kind of set the tone and, and the coach will have to, you know, fill in, not fill in, but, um, be, be a, be a voice when he really, really needs to be a voice and, and, and not all the time. Okay, so we're going to move on to chirp number six. And that is, is the Bruins team speed an issue? Huh. Is it? Is the Bruins team speed an issue? Do you think so? Uh, We seem to talk about this every season, don't we? Like that they just don't, I don't know. I mean, I watched them play last night and they're forechecking like crazy. They're, They're carrying the play. They're transitioning very quickly. I mean, they're an excellent transition hockey team. So speed, I mean, yeah, I don't, I think there's sometimes their defense has trouble handling the speed, but that's a combination of probably of personnel and the way the Bruins play. Like they put themselves in positions where they're really being aggressive offensively. They're prone to transition, you know, offense on the, on, on the other side. Here's the thing. The last, I think it was the last four or five games I saw a stat, you know, they were averaging allowing 12 high danger chances a game. That's a lot. It is. So um, some of that's the style they play. And some of that might be defensive, you know, personnel, I guess. Or, you know, I don't know. It seems to be when they're carrying the play, they're playing, it seems they're playing quickly. They're playing assertively. Like they, I don't see it being an issue. Like I don't think, boy, they are they're kind of a slow team. But when the other team's pressing, then I'm like, Jesus, they're kind of a slow team. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really my concern is 
Um, like the races to pucks and when you get into the playoffs against really good teams uh, and everything kind of amps up another level, you know, are they going to be able to win those races to pucks, whether it's in their defensive zone on a missed shot or, or clearing a rebound or getting the puck out of the zone? Do they have guys who can win those type of races? And, and it's a concern for me. Um, just because when you watch teams like, you know, Carolina and Toronto forecheck you, um, you know, they can really, really hem you in, you know, teams like New Jersey has a ton of team speed. Um, you know, that's a little bit of a worry for me. I think getting DeBrusque back certainly helps because he's another guy who's, who is fast. Um, but you know, if you go up and down the forward group, the Bruins don't have much of it. Uh, they really don't, right. you know, they it's, don't. it's Hall, it's, you know, maybe Zaka, it's maybe Marchand, it's, it's DeBrusque, obviously, um, you know, maybe Craig Smith, but, you know, overall, they really don't have a ton of team speed on the back end, you know, McAvoy, once he gets going and Lindholm and, and Carlo can skate well and Grizzlick, um, but Forbuck's not a great skater. Clifton's, you know, fine. Um, but overall, I think in their forward group, they don't have a lot of team speed, and I wonder if that's going to bite them uh, come playoff time. Playoff time. Yeah, I mean they're an older group, so they're like their centers are not fast. Yeah, that's that's number one. I mean Bergeron, Crazy Coil, Frederick, not not a fa- not a fast group. Uh, so that that could be where it hurts. Um, for sure. And I, I still worry about injuries on older group too. Mm-hmm. You know, guys who are coming back from surgeries last season, you know, who knows what could happen when the playoffs start to hit in the, in the you know, playing every other night in the, in the physicality. So that's a, that's an issue too. But I feel like we always talk about this and I feel like until the nucleus is really changed with this team, you're always going to have that. Are they fast enough argument right. with them? Um, all right, and then trip number seven is Sweeney, a genius. The Pavel Zaka trade and extension for what looks like very affordable money is looking better and better every day. It certainly is. And I'll tell you, I mean, since, since he signed the extension, Pavel Zaka has seven goals, uh, five assists, 12 points in 11 games. Hmm. So uh, that's the fifth most five-on-five goals over that time. And he's like twenty fifth in points over that time. So, uh, and he and he's he's really just seems to be coming into his own. He's really you know playing with good players. He seems to have confidence. He can shoot the puck. Damn, can he shoot the puck? He can. Uh, yeah. So um, you know it, it does. It looks like a genius move. He he flipped Eric Halla for Pavel Zaka and got him to sign a reasonable extension. I mean, I think he is. A, a I think he's Sweenius, right? Yeah, great trade. I mean, six <laughs> years younger. Yeah, can play wing and center just mm-hmm. like Hollow could, but you know has you know obviously potential. His ceiling is not. He's not at a ceiling. No, uh, as a as a twenty five year old player, uh, very high IQ player. Um, he rang the post in the first period. A wicked shot. Like man, that's like three inches to the left. It's in. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, I mean, he's been terrific, and, and you always worry right about. Uh, guys who who sign extensions, if they'll get a little comfortable, you know, if they'll if you see a dip in, in production because they're not really playing for that contract kind of thing. So that's always kind of a, you know, it's always kind of a con- a little bit of a concern, especially the guy you don't know that well. And, and then he comes in and he's just he's just guns blazing, and he can play. He can be second line center next year for sure. So now you just need to go out and get 
a really good center to yeah. go with him. And uh, but now I don't have much reservation about him being a, a really good second line center next year. No, and, and and here's the other thing, which is great about it is is he's uh, he's getting better every year. So I, I look back at his stats, and he's even he's either tied or bettered his point total in every single year of his career. So right. from one year to the next, it's gotten better and better or or even every single year. So, I mean, yeah. he's definitely still on the upswing. Uh, so, that, you know, that's good to see. Absolutely. All right. Beauties and benders and uh, the three benders for this week. Uh, number three, Campus Lindholm. Going to love you. Eh? They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. Ties his career high in points in a single season with the Hall assist. He's up to 34 points. And I still think he's kind of in the on the bottom side of like the Norris consideration still. Yeah, I mean, he's had a great year. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's 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 going to be hard to overlook guys like Fox and and um, you know, Carlson and and uh Darlene in Buffalo uh, right. who are all having fantastic seasons. But uh, yeah, I mean, he he definitely carried the Bruins early in the season on the back end when they needed him to most. So he's been, uh, you know, a very, very valuable player for them. You know, a 1A or 1B to uh, McAvoy for sure. All right. Beauty number two, Jim Montgomery. Going to love you, eh? They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. 100th coaching victory from Monty. Uh, really good milestone for him. His second uh, head coaching uh, stint and 40 wins with the Bruins. Yeah, impressive. I mean, just uh, ever since he's come in here, he's kind of changed the, the uh, not necessarily the culture because it was already there, but kind of the vibe around the team and, and the, the way the, the guys play. The system obviously has certainly helped them out uh, a tremendous amount. Uh, so, you know, congratulations to Monty on a, on a job well done and hopefully many, many more. Oh, hopefully many more. And then beauty number one, Pavel Osaka. Going to love you, eh? They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. Again, he was just dynamic in the third and overtime versus Dallas. Set a new career high in points. He has 37 points in 53 games. <clears throat> yeah, he's just having a, he's, yeah, I mean, he's having an unbelievable year. And, and as we just mentioned, you know, signed the extension and, and has been, you know, white hot since he did that and, and really just kind of coming into his own here uh, as he's entering the prime of his career with the Bruins. So hopefully, uh, you know, those uh, point totals continue to rise. No, you see the last three, what is it? The last three deadlines you had, <clears throat> you had Hall, uh, you had Lindholm and you have Zaka. Well, he had Zaka not this deadline, but he had Zaka in the offseason. Mm-hmm. So the last three, like, big trades he's made, Sweeney, have all been, like, slam dunk wins. Like, going away wins. Yeah, and he got Coyle and Johansson. Uh, right. I don't know if it was the year before that or the year before that. But, right. uh, you know, it, 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 he's done. Right? Yeah, he's done really, really well uh, the last few uh, deadlines for the Bruins. So hopefully uh, that continues this year. And, uh, you know, yeah. they, they pick up uh, some some depth help here and, and maybe a stud defenseman or something like that. Be yeah, nice too. That'd be nice. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move into the benders. And bender number three is the Bruins power play. Ah, the bender. Uh, over the last 20, uh, they, need, they need to shake things up. Or maybe it's as simple as getting Jake DeBrus back. You know, that's a decent point. 
But, but does any team have as many hills and valleys with their power play than the Boston Bruins? Like, they can look great, and they can look absolutely downright abysmal for, like, the last 12 years. <laughs> like, it just seems like they're either really, really good when they were third in the league, or they're really, really bad when they can't do anything right. And I wonder if they just rely too much on a couple of different things. You know, bumper, one-timer. You know, is there just too much reliance? Are they too one-dimensional? Are teams taking away your one or two good things and seeing if you can score in other ways? And last year it was zone entry. And this year it just seems to be like they're just not getting, you know, just not getting high danger chances and the power play just not getting, you know, it's just not balanced enough. Yeah, I think the zone entries are an issue last year. They're still an issue this year. I think they make terrible decisions with the puck when they're trying to enter the zone. I think they have too many guys who try to pass the puck through people rather than making the easy play. And I think that's what the problem is overall when they struggle. It's that they don't play simple and they don't go with what's there. They still try to force plays to the bumper or to Pasternak for the one-timer or to do it themselves to get a zone entry where if they just pass the puck to the open guy, you have plenty right. of talent. Like it, just because, you know, you have the puck doesn't mean you need to be the guy who gets the primary assist. Pass, pass it to another guy who can pass the puck just as well as you and he'll get it to the guy who will score the goal. <laughs> You know, there's plenty of guys out there that can score goals and, and do the things you need to do. They have plenty of talent. They might have too much talent. Might be, might be what the right. problem is, is everybody thinks they can do it, which is great, but also maybe a curse at the same time. So they need to figure some things out there. It feels like the last power play goal they scored was on the, during the Winter Classic when DeBrus scored right. on the low play. It feels like that was right. the last one. I don't think it was, but it feels like Boy. it was. Yeah, if it does feel like it. That was a month and yeah. A month and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. Let's <clears> throw. <throat> so, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, bender number two is Bruins face-offs. Ah, the bender. Uh, they got dominated in the face-off oh circle God, in, the, in the Dallas like game. And I've never, yeah, I've never seen anything like it. So rare to see them uh, get dominated like that. They lost 50 of 62 draws uh, and somehow still won. I mean, yeah. you're chasing the puck so often in that situation. It's, it's amazing to me that they were able to win this game losing that many face-offs. Me too, and they, they dominated large portions of the game yeah. without winning any face-offs, which is just, to, to win 12 out of 62 is just poor. Yeah, it's I mean, I think, really I think Bergeron won five or six, something yeah. like that, maybe. And I don't, time, I don't, one time he was three of 20. I don't know if there was anyone else on the, he might have finished with six or seven. I don't, I'm not sure there was anyone else on the team that won more than two. Yeah. Which is, I mean, which is dreadful. And you're talking about, well, Nosek is out, who's a decent face-off yeah. guy. And you're talking about Coyle and Bergeron being, Bergeron being in the 60s, Coyle being in the high 50s for much of the year. Like, you're talking about centers who can, who can win face-offs. Yeah. And they just got completely dominated by the Stars in, a, in just an, uh, an eye-opening fashion. And, I, you know, it might just be one of those one-offs where they, they saw some film and they, they saw something on it, and hopefully the Bruins can clean that up. I'm sure they're watching it because you can't look at that stat and not say, we need to do something about that mm -hmm. or see why that happened yeah. because it's so out of bounds. So, uh, but yeah, that was really, really odd. Yeah, it was. And uh, the number one bender is Zachary 
LaRue. I'm a bender. Uh, he was suspended 10 games by the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League for an incident with a fan. He was trying to jab them with a stick after, uh, after the fan said the, the Halifax Moosehead suck. Uh, he tried to poke him or spear him with a stick. Um, he is a Predators first-round draft pick uh, in 2021, 27th overall. Uh, and this Halifax Mooseheads player has been suspended nine times. Nine times. Nine times. And you made you made a great point before we went on air. Only twenty seven total games. How can you be a repeat offender over and over and still only get a total of twenty seven games? And this one's ten. Yeah, it's right? shock. It's shocking to me. In it's three shocking. in three yeah. seasons, he's been suspended nine right. times. So right. it's not like he's been in juniors, you know, since right. he was twelve. He's right. been there for right. three years and right. and suspended nine times. That's three a year for those of you right. that can do the math. Yeah. Uh, so. That's, you know, you want to talk about Marchand being a pest uh, or, you know, some other guys out there who, uh, you know, have some run-ins with NHL player safety. This is, uh, I mean, how is that guy still in the league? Honestly, I don't, I don't know. And to be the, to be a first round pick, um, boy, you got to kind of clean that up. Don't you? Don't I, I think I mean, you do. I mean, my God, like his 27th overall pick, he's obviously a top prospect for the Preds. Like they're obviously banging on him to be a pretty good NHL player. Yeah. Let's not get suspended every other game. Yeah, his discipline's uh, got to be uh, got to be a problem for him on the uh, on the old uh, you know draft uh, draft analysis there. Yeah, and, and <laughs> hey, good news for him. No one in Tennessee gives a shit about hockey, so they're not going to say like the Predators suck or anything. So he's not going to have any fan problems. So that's good. That's that's really good. Uh, all right, Brewers Benders power rankings for this week and number seven entering now. Uh, brand new entry. New York Rangers, they added Vladimir Tarasenko, and they've won five in a row. Look out for the Rangers. That's a tough uh, tough opponent mm-hmm. coming uh, playoff time. Number six, Dallas dropped the spot. They just lost to Boston, 4-2-4 four, and four in the last 10. Uh, number five, Toronto dropped the spot. They lost their last game. And then a new entry at four, Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, are hard as a firecracker, three in a row, have the uh, pedigree, have the uh, experience. And, uh, you know, there'll be something to reckon. You know, and if it's a Tampa Bay Toronto series again in the first round, I, I am hoping for that. With Me too. All my might. Me too. Because that would be such a good series. Because Absolutely. Toronto, you know, getting bounced last year and they really need to get past it. And this is going to be like they need to get past Tampa Bay, you know, to finally break that curse. And um, that would be such a great series. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, New Jersey Devils are 7-1-2 and two in their last 10 Carolina Hurricanes still white hot, eight one and one in their last ten, and then Boston number one again. They're forty eight and five, and they are the tied for the quickest ever to forty wins with the fifteen sixteen caps. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable really season is. continues on for the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like we've talked about, we talked about earlier, the East is loaded. I mean, you just read yes. off the seven. Uh, and there's six teams from the East in Dallas, so right. it's not going to be right. uh, it's not going to be an easy road through right. the playoffs in the Eastern Conference for any of these teams. Right, and I didn't have Pittsburgh or Washington in there either. Like, there's there's a lot of good teams. Yep. So certainly is. Mm. Uh, all right, so we're going to move on to the Bruins, Benders, Bedard, Tankapalooza, mm. and uh, the thirty and thirty first teams. You can throw them in a hat. 
uh, shitting it. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> 36 and 37 points. Doesn't matter which team has which, but we are talking about Chicago and Columbus. Those teams actually know how to tank, are doing it properly, uh, losing the games, looking at trading off uh, a lot of their talent. You know, Columbus has mentioned uh, getting rid of Gavrikov, possibly Boone Jenner is on the, is on the list uh, with Chicago, Kane, uh, Taves, both uh, possibilities. So um, teams looking to dump players and, and win that uh, bedard lottery. Uh, and then coming in at number 32, your Montreal Canadiens. Um, they have 50 points, but they've won three in a row. And they don't really understand what they're supposed to be doing right no. now. I don't think. I think they win three in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Caulfield's out for the season. And here they are trying to win games. Not sure why, but uh, they're trying to win games. And, and they're climbing up out of the basement where yeah. uh, the Bard- Bedard sweepstakes uh, is located. So uh, mm-hmm. if they want to do anything correctly, they need to they need to get back on that losing streak. Um, but I'm fine if they want to be a middling team. And, and not get Connor to Bedard, I'm, I'd be perfectly fine with uh, with him not going to the Canadians and tormenting the Bruins for for years and years to come. You know, Marty St. Louis might be too good of a coach. I mean, they might have to fire him. <laughs> I think so. Too good. That's possibility. Uh, Fourteen points out of out of last. I mean, that's uh, they need to get going on the losing streak. Yeah. Um, all right, prospect spotlight in your Bruins prospect this week, Trevor Kutar. Uh, he is with the Boston College Eagles. They just uh, won the consolation game with the bean pot. And Trevor is having a great season. He's a junior at BC. He has 11 goals and 11 assists on the season. He has five goals and two assists in his last 10. He had the empty netter in the consolation win over Boston University. And Kuntar uh, is a center. He's about 205 pounds. He's kind of a fire hydrant kind of player. And uh, hopefully... He can be a bottom six kind of guy in another year or two. Yeah, I think so. He's a scrappy guy. He goes to the front yeah. of the net. He, he reminds me um, a little bit of a Brendan Gallagher type where he's just in and around the front of the net, just causing havoc, just being a pain in the ass to play against. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt the Bruins to have another one of those competitive guys who who <clears throat> likes to get to the front and score the greasy goals. So uh, oh, no looking doubt, yeah. looking forward to uh, seeing Tra- Trevor in a, in a Bruins uniform in a few years here. Yeah, Trevor is uh, 21 years old from Buffalo. Uh, he is uh, six foot, like 205, like I said, center and a wing. He was the third round pick in 2020, 89th overall by your Boston Bruins. So hopefully Kuntar with his teammates, Andre Gasol and Oscar Jelvik on BC, uh, all doing all doing pretty well this season for the Eagles. All right, week ahead for Boston, uh, February 16th at Nashville, uh, February 18th versus the New York Islanders at home, and then February 20 versus the Ottawa Senators at home at TD Garden. That's what's coming up this week for Bru- for the Bruins. Go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. Follow us at Bruins Benders on social media. Uh, please rate and review on Apple and subscribe and follow on the pl- podcast platforms and sign up for ESPN Plus at InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN. We just surpassed 50,000 downloads, and we appreciate everyone listening. Have a great week, everyone. Go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.